This is the Real Young Mom Podcast. Welcome back to the Real Young Mom podcast. This is your host, Ellie. And if this is the first episode you're listening to, this is where we get down on all things young parenting. This week, I have Nicole Johnson from the Cultured Montessorian on the show. This interview was so interesting and thought-provoking and actually flipped my viewpoint on a certain stance that I had taken long before I had my child and she flipped it on its head, kind of gave me a different perspective about it, which was really, really cool. And that's kind of why it's so important for parents to talk and inform each other because somebody might say something in a way that you've never heard it before and it might change your mind. So you'll hear that a little bit later in the episode when I play my interview with her. But before we get into Nicole's interview, I just want to let you guys know that this is not specifically a deep dive into Montessori or gentle parenting. We briefly touch on the subject of what Montessori is and what gentle parenting is. This conversation is a little bit more about representation or rather the lack thereof when it comes to people of color in Montessori. So as you'll hear me tell Nicole a little bit, in the beginning of the interview, I am a person of color. And I think often people that know me might forget that because I present as white. So I don't look Latina really, and I don't look Afro anything really. So my identity as an Afro Latina is um, something that I don't think people really recognize when they either first meet me or if they just don't know that that is my background. So I have the privilege of looking white. So essentially, I do have white privilege unless it comes to paperwork, right? Unless you have to check that Hispanic box normally. Um, But out in the real world, every single day, I present as a white woman, which gives me a huge advantage over my fellow Afro-Latin or just regular Latin people. And because of that, I think people are a little bit taken aback when I talk about things like representation or racism, so on and so forth. And I do want to remind you guys that I don't like to get political on the show. That's not what this show is about for me. It's not about politics. It's not about whether you're a Democrat or Republican, you know, a libertarian or whatever. But to me, talking about racism and talking about representation is not political. It's not political. It's personal. And I'd like to remind you that every episode is a little bit of my story, but we're just expanding on it. And seeing other people that look like you or seeing other people that look kind of how you see yourself, if that makes sense, um, 
just to elaborate on that, I don't see myself as white because I'm not. Um, so when I look for representation, um, whether that be in Montessori gentle parenting um, or whatever other various areas I'm looking for representation in, I'm looking for brown and black people because that's how I see myself. And I'm really trying to find the words to explain this in a way that makes sense to people who might not understand, but it's so important to have representation for people of color. When you talk about Montessori, you talk about gentle parenting specifically, and I'm alluding to that specifically because that's what we talk about in this episode. When you talk about these things, they are as a whole very whitewashed. And that makes people of color think that these things are inaccessible to them. And for the most part, they are. Montessori is a huge financial commitment once you get, I think, past the age of about three. And because of that, oppressed peoples are unable to access that. So when I see people of color like Nicole showing themselves so holy and that's holy with a W-H-O-L-L-Y, and so transparently and so honestly, it gives me hope that we will eventually get to a point where this is not something that is inaccessible to us. And I just think it's important that parents that didn't grow up being gentle parented or in a Montessori-aligned way or in a way that's different from the culture that your parents were brought up in, it's important for us to see that there's other people of color that are doing this. And so really, this conversation dives a little bit deeper into representation in Montessori and gentle parenting specifically. But again... I want to reiterate, I don't think that this is a political issue per se. I'm not trying to make it a political issue. I think it's a people issue. Somebody made a comment to me about my uh, social media marketing for this episode. So if you guys follow me on social media, you know that I post kind of snippets and quotes from episodes before I publish them, just to give you guys a little bit of kind of a sneak peek of what the conversation will be. And so I posted one yesterday and today is Saturday. So uh, on Friday and somebody reached out to me and said that, you know, I should watch what I post because it might be polarizing my audience. And (laughs) I guess that's kind of the point, because if 
reading that quote about representation and not wanting your brown child to go to an all-white school and not willing to sacrifice them seeing other kids that look like them for a specific form of education, if that bothers you, if that maybe doesn't make sense to you, or if that makes you feel attacked, you need to do some work. And it's not my job or anybody else's job to do that work. So if that made you feel some type of way after reading it, you need to work on being an ally. Because these are things that POC face every single day. These are decisions that parents are having to make every single day. Should I or should I not send my child to X school because there are no kids that look like them? Should I sacrifice the representation of my people to my child for a better education. What a shitty fucking choice to have to make. So that's just some food for thought. If my audience gets polarized, then so be it. Because to be quite honest with you, I don't want people to listen to my show that are not willing to do the work. I'm sorry. If that's you, you are not my people. But I'm sure you will find someone or some group who are your people. Go find them. Because I don't think this is the right place for you. With that being said, (laughs) I feel like that was really heavy, but it just needed to be said. You know, the times are the times. With that being said, after we recorded this episode... Like I said, Nicole gave me so much food for thought, and I'm so glad to have been able to speak with her and pick her brain um, because she kind of transformed my mindset, like I said. And we have always been very Montessori aligned in our household. There are a lot of things that um, we do, and there are a lot of things that we don't particularly do. And in talking to her, I realized that if we were going to do it, we just needed to do it. And I know that my plan is to try and homeschool cash. So I needed to make some changes around the house and really and truly prepare his environment because up until kind of this past week, his environment has been very half-assed on my part. Um, We have some things that are accessible to him, but some things that aren't. So this week we're doing a complete overhaul of our entire home and just really making sure that he has the opportunity to be independent in every area of the home that is reasonable. And so because of that, I'm going to be taking a break from the podcast next Sunday. So we're not going to have an episode next Sunday. I've done some deliberation and I really need to get this done for him. So this week will be all about making sure that his environment is fully prepared for him to be 
independent and self-sufficient and to feel pride in himself for getting things done. So I will not be recording an episode for next week. We'll be back the week after that. Not to mention, I just need a little bit of a break. Everything's been super crazy around here lately. I just wanted to let you guys know not to look for an episode next Sunday because there will not be one. Okay. I think we are ready to get into the interview. So here is Nicole. All right. So my guest this week is Nicole Johnson from the Cultured Montessorian at Cultured underscore Montessorian on Instagram. And I'm going to let her give you guys a little bit of background about herself and what she does. So Nicole, if you could tell my listeners a little bit about you. Sure. So one, thanks for having me. I am Nicole. I'm a black mama, wife, attorney, entrepreneur, and a proud double alumna of Howard University. For the last 10 years or so, I've worked as a child and family therapist and a case manager to families experiencing homelessness. I also own and manage Trusted Legal Solutions, a boutique law firm in D.C., and I am a real estate investor with my husband. In terms of Culture Montessorian, what I do is kind of just share my journey of transitioning to homeschool and my daughter using a Montessori method. Awesome. So how old is your daughter? She is three and a half. She'll be four in August. When did you introduce Montessori? Is this something that you started from birth or is this something that you started just recently? So we started... Well, first I'll I'll share that. I think of Montessori as being two parts. There could be like a Montessori lifestyle where you incorporate some of the Montessori principles, like respecting the child, allowing the child to have independence, respecting other cultures, things like that. That can be the lifestyle of part of your home. And then there's also the formal Montessori education, which uses a specific like scope and sequence for teaching things. So we started the Montessori lifestyle at home from birth, which was just allowing her to be independent, having things, you know, on her level, her size that she could access on her own when we were at home. And then she went to like a traditional daycare when she turned um, around 11 months. I just implemented like formal Montessori education this January, and I'm still taking some trainings and figuring things out so that I can be able to effectively do that at home for her. Awesome. So for those of you who don't know um, anything about Montessori, basically the entire structure is based on the teachings of Maria Montessori. And really the biggest takeaway I would say from Montessori is respecting the child and following the child and letting them garner their own independence. So for us in our household, like I said, Cash is only a year old and we didn't necessarily implement Montessori from birth. I really was introduced to it around the six month mark. And since then we've been implementing more and more of that into our own lifestyle, I found that there's really not very many resources for, I'd say from birth to like a year old. There's not really much that I found in the way of what to do or how to stay Montessori aligned in that time. But really, there's a lot more information from toddlerhood and on. So I was introduced to Montessori by, I think I just came upon an Instagram post, to be honest. And I really talked about respecting and following the child. And that was 
a huge kind of epiphany for me. Like, why wouldn't you do this? And so I started reading literature and, you know, following more social media accounts like yours. So how were you introduced to Montessori and gentle parenting? And why did you decide to implement that in your parenting? So gentle parenting, I didn't know that it had the term gentle parenting until like the social media nosedive that most of us take when we're new parents. Right. So my background, I'm a, I was a clinical social worker before I was an attorney. And then my background or my specialty area was working specifically with children um, who experienced pretty significant traumas. And so I learned about the what we know as gentle parenting through that way, through school training, my professional work. And so I knew that that was something I wanted to do with my own child. In terms of Montessori, I am a researcher. And so my pregnancy was planned. And in that planning, of course, I, I again, went on a deep dive into the world of all things children and education. And I came across, you know, just Montessori. I started to read a little bit about it. I thought it was cool and interesting. I you know, made my short list of daycares or schools that she would go to. We only had a couple of Montessori schools in our area and they were mostly white. My black child was not going to an all white school. It wasn't an option for us. And so we we just put that on the table and decided we would do some Montessori stuff at home. And then we would explore again as she got older and look for a formal Montessori setting if we could find it. But for me, I wasn't willing to you know, sacrifice her being with other people who look like her for the Montessori education. And that's super important when we talk about representation, especially for kids. I mean, um, personally, I'm an Afro-Latina, but I look white. So Mm -hmm. I have the advantage of, you know, looking like a white person. And so because of that, my son his father is white and he has the same advantage. You know, we don't look like we're Afro anything. And mm-hmm. I still think that it's important for him to see little brown boys and little brown girls represented in the things that we do every day. So with not wanting her to go to an all white school, Montessori, when you look at it as a whole, is very whitewashed. And mm-hmm. yeah. it seems like the only people you see doing Montessori are rich white families. Yep. And for a time when I was really first looking into it, and like I said, I was doing that research on social media, trying to see, you know, who can I follow that does the same thing? For months, the only pages that I followed were white moms. Yeah. And, you know, it was really something that I didn't even notice at first. There's a page that's really popular and that I follow called Raising Little Goose. And she did a great segment on Black Lives Matter. And she was posting a lot of Montessori accounts run by POC. And of course, I clicked and followed on every single one of them (laughs) because I'd never seen it. I'd never seen the representation of people of color in Montessori or gentle parenting, because that's just not something we do in our culture. That's not an option or doesn't seem like it's an option. It doesn't seem accessible to us because you think Montessori, you think, oh, the expensive materials, you know, and everything has to be aesthetic and so Mm -hmm. on and so forth. And we think that's not accessible to us because hello, like the stuff is expensive. Let's be honest. You know, if you're buying the materials from the most popular, you know, stores or whatever. And what we don't know and what we don't see is that 
it is accessible to everyone in that there are ways to do things yourself. You know, there's so much DIY Montessori material out there and it's not just about the materials. And Mm -hmm. people don't really understand that and don't really know that, you know, Montessori is not just shelf work. And I think that's what a lot of people get caught up in. But again, it's so important to see our own culture and our own people showing us how accessible it is. And that's why, you know, your page is such a great resource for people because you're so just real and, you know, you don't sugarcoat anything and you don't filter anything and you're just like, you know, this is what it is. This is what we're doing and this is how we do it. And I think it's a huge help to families that think that it's not possible. Yeah. So it's, it's really, really awesome that you're doing what you're doing. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. But I, I should say that it's, I think that the way I'm doing it only works because you know, my daughter is so young, you know, as she's getting older and the educational needs are changing, there is definitely um, a need for the materials if you're trying to do like the formal Montessori education, which is what we're trying to do. Um, yes. But I think you can absolutely supplement, like if your kid is going to regular school and they're, you know, school age five and up or six and up in terms of Montessori, you you could supplement what's happening at school with some Montessori stuff if you wanted to. But it is definitely a time commitment. There is a you know financial commitment and there, you know, people are looking for more representation on social media. Afrocentric Montessori is an account on Instagram. Yes. Um, Seneca Village Montessori is a school in, I think, Brooklyn, New York. They've been doing Montessori for years out there. Um, and I've been doing Montessori for decades. We actually kind of brought it to, you know, mainstream and, and made it popular. You know, in New York, there were black women who started the first training facilities in New York for Montessori because they recognized the value for our communities and for our kids and that Maria Montessori's teachings actually fit within our culture. It's just like you said, you know, it's been commercialized so much. The Montessori schools in the States are mostly private. They're costing like 20 to 30K a year per child. And then all we see, you know, online are rich white women who are housewives or retired kindergarten teachers who are Montessori trained and they've decided to stay home with their kids. And so now they're posting about it on social media and nothing about that looks like us. Yeah. I, that's something that I've been struggling with a lot too, is as my son gets older, you know, trying to kind of keep up and I don't have the time to do the research, you know, I mean, it's a lot Mm -hmm. to get through and there are training programs and things out there, but it is kind of hard to like take that first step and get in there. And it's really just like you said, it's a time commitment and a financial commitment. So what are some resources like books or social media accounts or maybe blogs that really helped you learn about Montessori and the way that you wanted to implement that in your own parenting? Okay. So the Montessori teacher, if she is actually a, she's trained in Montessori, her, her real job, you know, outside of social media, writing curriculum, like this is you know, literally what she does. And she identifies also as um, Latina and she she comes from a perspective of recognizing different cultures and, you know, understanding the biases that are out there. And she actually, so I'm taking 
her training so that I could implement formal Montessori education in home. But she is, you know, she posts a lot of free resources. She's great. Everything there is really unbiased and it makes people stop and identify the biases that they have. If you're looking to just get started and get some really basic information, her page would be a great resource. There's also Whole Child Home. I would have to look at the the exact punctuation in the username, but it's Whole Child Home. She is a child psychologist. And she also comes to, you know, the Montessori table from a different perspective. She's not a white woman. She doesn't identify as white, but she, you know, like you said, presents as white. And she always points out, you know, checking your privilege and understanding you know, the biases and the lens that you bring to the table. And then she also brings a lot of helpful tips for gentle parenting and Montessori. She implements kind of the clinical side of, or the scientific side of, you know, how kids' brains are developing, why they're doing what they're doing, and how we can better support them in a way that's gentle and nurturing to them as children. And she puts it all in lay terms, so it's really easy to follow, really easy to understand, lots of tips and suggestions. So I know we're talking a lot about gentle parenting as well as Montessori. So what would you say is your view on gentle parenting? How would you explain it um, in simple terms to my listeners who maybe don't know or haven't heard about what gentle parenting is? Sure. So gentle parenting is literally exactly what it sounds like. It is being gentle with the child and you know, kind of recognizing where they are developmentally and not putting all of our stuff on them. So for a concrete example, you know, my three-year-old uh, might be, she might hit me um, and she doesn't get hit, but she might hit me. And so of course the natural response is I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm disappointed. All of those feelings and emotions that come to an adult when you know you're hit gentle parenting would have you stop and question you know why is she hitting me what is she trying to say recognizing you know she is obviously hitting me because she's trying to communicate something and she doesn't know how to do it because she's three you know she doesn't have the words she doesn't understand what she's feeling how can i step back you know as an adult and support her as the child that's gentle parenting Yeah. And that's really, really powerful the way that you explain that, because you're saying, you know, she doesn't know how to tell you. And what a lot of people forget is that our children don't know how to regulate their emotions, you know, for the first Mm -hmm. couple of years. And so it is really easy to be reactive, especially if that's what you've been conditioned to do in your own childhood, which I know know, um, in my experience that my parents did not practice gentle parenting and we got punished a lot. And mom and dad, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry for calling you out, but that's all you guys knew. And, you know, we got hit, we got punished, we got screamed at. And, you know, my pregnancy was not planned. So when I found out that I was having my own child, you know, the first thing that I thought was, how can I do this differently? Because I don't want Mm -hmm. him to think that these things are normal. So finding gentle parenting was such a relief (laughs) to see that there was something that was backed by science and, you know, evidence-based that works on kids, you know, and it's not about giving them what they want or giving in and letting them do whatever. It's 
stepping back and understanding, like you said, stepping back and saying, okay, why are they doing what they're doing? And just not being a reactive parent. So like we were talking about earlier, there's not a lot of representation for us in that because again, it's not how a lot of us grew up. And it is an option though. It is an option. And if you're looking for a different way to parent your child, then Gentle parenting is definitely something to look into and um, Montessori. Also, if you want your child to garner that independence and feel a sense of pride, I feel like a lot of times we as parents give kids this external validation. Good job. And wow, I'm so proud of you. And so on and so forth, which is important, but also we don't want them always looking for that external validation and Montessori is such a great way to help your child find that intrinsic validation, which is so mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nobody ever really talks about that because, you know, right. you do want your parents to say like, yeah, I'm so proud of you. And you feel great when you hear them say that. But at the end of the day, if you're always looking for somebody to tell you good job, it's just not reality. Yeah. And that, that for me was the big piece in just raising a black child in general. Once she leaves my house, she's not getting that external validation. We all know that it's, it's just not coming. And, you know, I struggle with imposter syndrome, all the degrees, all the accolades, all of this stuff that I can do. I still feel like I don't belong when I'm at a table, you know, full of white men. And I don't want that for her. And I think, you know, starting this, giving her the ability to to congratulate herself, to know that she's doing well without somebody telling her is going to serve her well when she leaves this house. Um, Because again, she's not going to get the support and the love, the encouragement anywhere else besides my house. And I think when we're raising black and brown kids who are going to have those kind of experiences when they go out into the real world, Montessori equips them with the skills that they need to survive and be okay. And that's such a great way to put it. And for a lot of my listeners, you know, that might be something that they never considered. And like I said, you know, my son has the advantage of white privilege in that he looks white. And so these aren't things that he will probably ever have to deal with. And a lot of my listeners, based on my demographic, this is something that maybe their kids aren't going to have to deal with either. So it's important to see the other side. And I also want to say, for those of you who have children who have the advantage of white privilege, please teach your kids about the disadvantage that people of color have and You know, teach your kids to stand up for their friends and to speak up when they notice something is unfair. That's something that I've been teaching my son even since he was born. You know, we have a lot of literature on people whose skin is different than his. There's a great book called Skin Like Mine. I don't know if you've read it, but it's a beautiful, beautiful book about how everybody's skin is different and unique, but it's still beautiful. And there's another great book called Crown, which is absolutely amazing. There is a great resource, an account called Here We Read, but we is spelled W-E-E. And I'll link that in the show notes so you can go find it. The host of that podcast and blog, Charnay, she, every episode talks about different books and they're all culturally diverse and it's a great resource. Another good book is Anti-Racist Baby. And I think a lot of people might think that that book is like radical for a little kid, but I think it's a great, and you're never too young to start being anti-racist. And also remember that it's your job to do that work. 
It's not people of color's job to teach you how to be anti-racist or help you in your journey and being anti-racist. That's your work to do. And it's your job to teach your littles how to be an ally. So that's super important when we talk about, you know, representation and showing your kids different skin colors and different cultures. Everybody can do Montessori and everybody can do gentle parenting. So Nicole, your own uh, social media account, Cultured Montessorian, that we were speaking on earlier, could you tell my listeners a little bit about how you decided to start the Cultured Montessorian and kind of what you show on that page? Yes. So I was just posting everything Marley was doing on my personal page. Um, just because you know, none of this was planned. I never planned to homeschool. We were you know, in the pandemic. She needed some more structure. I needed to get through my work day. And in doing that, I just started posting because it became pretty much my whole life. And then friends were like, you know, this is valuable. They were sharing it with other friends. They were asking me to make my, you know, content or the page public so that other people could see it. And then a good friend of mine suggested I just start a new page. And she started showing me all these other accounts. And she was like, you know, there's a need for this. And so I started a page and I think it was the end of January um, of this year. And I am just getting some direction in terms of actually making you know, more, I'd say more of an effort to make content that's going to be helpful other than just, you know, showing what we're doing day to day, but actually organizing it and giving, you know, resources. I don't create any of the things that I do with Marley. I don't, I don't have the time or the interest. I don't like kids. I don't like teaching. This is just something that I want to do with my kids. So I get all of my resources from actual educators. And so what I'm thinking of doing it has, is having like a resource portion where I'm so showing, you know, this is where I'm getting materials from. You know, these are the accounts that I'm following that are giving me helpful information that I'm comfortable using. And also, you know, just kind of demonstrating how I'm juggling the day-to-day work. It's like, this isn't to say that people who blog are not doing real work, but there is a d- difference when you're, you know, blogging versus handling cases for people in their lives are at stake. So I don't have, you know, like the flexibility to say, oh, I'm not working today because, you know, my kid is tired and needs my attention. There are some days where I still have to push through when it's difficult. And I get a lot of questions about how I'm actually managing. And this is a quote, people will say working a real job and doing the homeschool thing. I'm thinking about, you know, kind of further developing that to show people what it looks like on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So if you could just expand more on how, how it's been hard or how it's been successful or just your experience in balancing that, you know, full-time job and your side businesses along with full-time homeschooling for a preschooler and, you know, running your social media page and making content for that. It has not been easy. I feel like I just got to the point where I think I know what I'm doing just a little bit in terms of, of managing Marley's day. I, I, I should say that I have the, the privilege or the luxury of you know, being an entrepreneur. So uh, my full-time job is for my own business, which means you know when I decided we're going to really dive into Montessori, I fixed my schedule so that I had two weeks off to really just learn um, as much as I could get the space together. And then we started fresh, like the 
a couple weeks later, I think I did that over the Christmas break. So we started fresh in January with, you know, running real preschool. Another thing that has been helpful is I participated in the Empowered Wellness Mama program with Dr. Amber Thornton. She is a psychologist and she basically runs her pages, The Balanced Working Mama. And one of her programs is this six-week really intensive course for mothers. And it helps you to kind of find balance in whatever areas that you're you're looking to find balance in. And it for me, it was, it was basically therapy, but working therapy. So we weren't just sitting around and talking about feelings. We were talking about feelings and we were coming up with action plans. And every week we checked in with, you know, this is what we're doing to get to the place where we want to be. And so that has been really helpful in me finding balance and juggling all of the things. I also have a really supportive partner. You know, I'm like, I want to do Montessori. He's like, great, do Montessori. Or, you know, I need you to take the kid at night so that I can do these lesson plans or, you know, prep these materials or do work. And he takes the kid at night so I can do what I need to do. It, it's a balancing act, but I definitely have support. And I think it would be just really misleading to pretend or to not say that I have the financial resources you know, to buy what I need or things that would make it easier. I feel like it would be a disservice not to put that out there. So for example, Marley does out school classes. She takes one a day, Monday through Friday. That's a 30 minute class, but it comes out to like a hundred dollars a month. Um, that's an expense that everybody you know, may not be able to afford. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm just out here with construction paper and glue telling people that it's going to work. This is just my experience, not to say that it, it can't work with those resources, but I don't want to pretend that that's what I'm coming to the table with. So like Marley has a tablet. She has her Amazon Fire subscription. She's you know, watching educational programs on that when I need her to. We have a pretty set schedule that we use during the day. It's loose in terms of it's not every hour. This is what you have to do, but it's enough structure where she can look at her schedule and she can look at this clock and she knows that this is her work time. This is mama's work time. This is when we come together and play. This is when we're going outside. This is when we're getting dressed. All of those things kind of have their own place. Yeah. So yeah, I answered that just, for you. Okay. So this is something that I feel like is really talked about a lot when it comes to Montessori in general is screen time. So I know you said that you let Marley do a couple, you know, whatever it is, however much screen time she gets a day when you need her to, we do the same thing. I mean, for (laughs) a really long time, I stood on my soapbox and Mm -hmm. I talked about how I would never, ever do screen time. And I think the pandemic has a lot to do with it with being stuck at home, you know, my child has only ever known life in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I've only ever mm-hmm. known parenting in a pandemic and screen time has been a huge saving grace for us in some in some regard, but I think it's important for people to know that there's a difference between, you know, living a full Montessori life and living Montessori aligned, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. there's no really right way to do it, I guess, in the sense that, you know, you don't have to be 100% Montessori all the time. And I think that's maybe something that kind of scares people a little bit and puts them off about Montessori in general is just the thought that... You have to do what 
Maria Montessori outlined all day, every single day, no exception, Mm -hmm. no deviation from her plan. So if you could touch a little bit about in your own life, how you guys are maybe Montessori aligned instead of, you know, full Montessori all the time. So I don't know that we're not full Montessori all the time, but I'm also not, you know, AMI certified. So I could be wrong. They might come chase me with, you know, torches for saying this, but, (laughs) you know, I don't, we don't know that Maria Montessori would have said no screen time. She didn't have screen you know, and she was, she, she just didn't, That's she just a great didn't have point. the technology no, that we have. And, you know, from my perspective, my kid needs to know how to work a tablet and a laptop and all of those things because she's about to be four and it's 2021 and all of her peers are signing into virtual school. You know, like it's, I feel like her knowing how to use her tablet or how the internet works or just understanding, you know, that, that video calls and Skype and Zoom, that's a part of our life. I feel like that's a practical life skill. They're going to be people who obviously disagree, but that's, that's what I'm going with. Now, of course, we didn't have her, you know, looking at the tablet when she was six months old. She got a tablet when she was about a year and a half and we started it because that's what we needed for our lifestyle. To give you an example, Marley and I had roughly an hour and a half commute twice a day to and from, you know, school and work. And that meant she was in the car seat, rear facing, and it would be dark when we were leaving and dark when we were coming back. So she's literally staring at darkness. Like she can't use a book. She can't use any other toys. And so we got her the tablet and we put on the the educational stuff that she could just watch or interact with. And for me, that was enough. You know, she's not just staring blankly at cartoons all day. And Montessori, I think I read Maria Montessori's actual work. And what I gathered from a lot of her writings were that Montessori is really just helping the child to learn how to be in whatever setting that child is in. So for us, if it's you know a, a setting or a world that includes technology, that child world is going to include technology when it's developmentally appropriate. And tablets are developmentally appropriate at three for us. Wow. That was, this is why I love having these conversations because that completely just flipped my viewpoint and it made so much sense to me the way that you explained it. Like I said, we use screen time, but I never thought of it in in that regard in that, you know, this is the society that we live in. Like everybody has a phone in their hand all the time. And that's just a great different way to look at it. For those of my listeners who are against screen time, maybe maybe you just heard something that may change your mind. So this was a great conversation and I'm so glad that you were able to come on and tell me about your story and your journey with Marley. I hope my listeners will have learned something from this. Thank you so much for coming on, Nicole. I really and truly appreciate it. So Quickly, before we go, if you could just tell my listeners where to find you on social media. Sure. So I am on Instagram at cultured underscore Montessorian. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nicole. I really appreciate it. That's all I have for you guys this week. Please remember to share, subscribe, like the show on your podcast platforms. And if you feel so generous, leave us a rate and a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys so much. And thank you, Nicole. And we'll see you again soon.